Good morning, welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the award-winning Rainbow Radio, the real gay agenda, the only gay-themed program of its kind in the Carolinas. This is a weekly program for gay and straight people by gay and straight people and is presented by the Harriet Hancock Community Center. I'm your weekly host, Bruce Converse. My co-host this morning has also been our engineer for these shows, Adrian Zongrone. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning, Bruce. This morning, our show is being made possible by listeners like you. Those of you out there who have been helping to keep this show on the air with your generous donations and shows of support. This morning we're going to be talking about SAGE and the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging, services and advocacy for LGBT elders. But first, let's look at what's happened in the news lately as well as what's coming up. In international news, when gay people finally win the right to marry, this will also come with the right to divorce. All U.S. states have forms of no-fault divorce, but let's hope it never comes down to no-fault divorce in this country like it is in England. No-fault divorce over there only requires that couples merely prove adultery, abandonment, or unreasonable behavior. The unreasonable behavior has included such things as a husband insisting his wife speak and dress only in Klingon, as they do in the Star Trek movies, Another petition to dissolve a marriage under unreasonable behavior included a husband objecting to the, quote, malicious, unquote, preparation of his most hated dish, which was a tuna noodle casserole. Still another was one spouse's non-communication for the past 15 years, except for leaving post-it notes all over their house. And still others included a spouse's too rapid TV channel changing, a husband's distorting the fit of his wife's clothing because he was wearing them too much, and one spouse's insistence that a pet tarantula reside in a glass case beside the marital bed. In national news, this past week, Governor Jerry Brown of California signed California Senate Bill 1172, banning ex-gay therapy for kids, a historic step in stopping child abuse disguised as therapy. At the signing, the governor said, quote, This bill bans non-scientific therapies that have driven young people to depression and suicide. These practices have no basis in science or medicine, and they will now be relegated to the dustbin of quackery, As Wayne Beeson, Truth Wins Out's executive director, said, This is a historic day that protects LGBT youth from child abuse disguised as genuine therapy. We thank Governor Brown for signing legislation that can serve as a model for similar bills across the nation, unquote. Twins Wyatt and Jonas were once identical in every way, but as they grew older, their differences soon became more apparent than just wearing different clothes or cheering for opposite sports teams. By the age of four, Wyatt was already preferring to play dress-up in girls' clothes, walk around in high heels, and choose Barbie dolls over action men, G.I. Joes, or Power Rangers. When Wyatt walked out one day wearing a sequined shirt and his mom's shoes, his parents asked if he really wanted to wear those clothes. His twin Jonas spoke up, saying, Dad, you might as well face it. You have a son and a daughter. Now both 14, Wyatt, who wants to be called Nicole, embraces her desire to be a girl. She and Jonas are now living as brother and sister. As Nicole says, The thought of being a boy makes me cringe. The family has been helped by the groundbreaking services at the Children's Hospital Gender Management Services Clinic in Boston, which offers advice on dealing with the emotional and medical issues facing a transgender child. Their parents admitted that at first the transition was hard for them to accept. Their dad, who was an avid hunter and who had been looking forward to taking both of his sons hunting ever since they were born, said, quote, 
I was grieving. I was losing a son. Despite the initial misgivings, the parents sat down and talked it through with the two kids when they were nine years old, offering advice on fear, hate, evil, and freedom of speech. Nicole says, quote, I have always known I was a girl. I think what I'm aiming for is to undergo surgery to get a physical female body that matches up to the image of myself, unquote. Doctors generally don't perform gender reassignment surgery before the age of 18, and no hospitals do it at all in their area. So, Nicole will have to travel to Philadelphia or to Montreal for the surgery. While she is excited about the future surgery, she also is a little worried about the results and, as she says, maybe the pain, too. In South Carolina news, later on today, starting at 2 p.m. and running until 4, the Harriet Hancock Community Center is hosting its monthly first-of-the-month potluck and picnic. The center is located at 1108 Woodrow Street, just off the corner of Woodrow and Millwood Streets here in Columbia. You don't need to bring anything to attend this free event. However, if you have your favorite dish to pass, by all means, bring it along and bring a friend along, too. As usual, the center will be supplying the main course, as well as some side dishes, beverages, and some desserts. So come and enjoy the food and the good conversation that it brings. Donations are always accepted. Again, the center is located at 1108 Woodrow Street, just off the corner of Woodrow and Millwood Streets, here in Columbia, South Carolina. Come join us. We'd love to have you. Stay with us. In just a few moments, we will be talking about SAGE, Services and Advocacy for GLBT Elders, and the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging. So stay tuned here to Rainbow Radio. John Tanzella, the President and CEO of the International Gay and Lesbian Travel Association, and you are listening to Rainbow Radio. Welcome back to Rainbow Radio. This morning we are going to be talking about SAGE, Services and Advocacy for GLBT Elders, this country's largest and oldest organization dedicated to improving the lives of LGBT older adults. And to do that, we have asked Hilary Meyer, the director of the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging, to join us this morning. Hilary earned her JD or Juris Doctor degree from Rutgers School of Law in Newark, New Jersey. She graduated magna cum laude and with honors in psychology from Colgate University. She has provided pro bono legal assistance through the Volunteers Lawyers Project, Civil Court Resource Center, to self-represented litigants with pending cases in civil and small claims courts. Hillary worked in the areas of patient advocacy and social work, providing direct social services to low-income, chronic mentally ill adults, and counseling individuals and families in a psychiatric inpatient crisis unit. She served as the Fair Courts Project Manager for Lambda Legal, where she promoted a fair and impartial judiciary 
by monitoring federal and state legislation and developing advocacy and education incentives for the LGBT allied communities. Hillary's legal work includes analyzing state and federal legislation of relevance to the LGBT community for the Human Rights Campaign. After joining SAGE, she now provides leadership for the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging and the activities of its staff, advisory council and national partner organizations with the center, as well as lectures frequently on the number of issues related to LGBT aging. So good morning, Hillary, and welcome to Rainbow Radio. Good morning. Thanks for having me. First of all, when did SAGE get started and what was the felt need to provide such an organization? Uh, SAGE was founded in New York City in 1978 by a group of LGBT activists who uh, realized that there were really no supports and services aimed at LGBT older people. Um, So this group got together uh, with the intention of creating those services and really pioneered some of the community supports that have served as models uh, for similar programs throughout the country that are still in operation today. Um, for example, the, the, uh, the nation's first friendly visiting program for homebound LGBT older adults, uh, the country's first support group for older adults living with HIV, uh, and uh, the nation's first program dedicated to caregiving services for LGBT older adults. You mentioned that a group of LGBT activists came together and formed this uh, group. Can you tell us a little bit more about who they were and how they got together in the first place? Sure. Uh, SAGE had a number of founders, um, including social workers who were interested in aging issues, as well as uh, activists in New York City's growing LGBT movement at the time um, in the late 70s. Uh, There was a, a founder by the name of Dr. Emery Hetrick, who actually went on to found the Hetrick Martin Institute in New York City. Um, and, and all of these folks came together with the intention that they needed to do something on behalf of LGBT older adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an undertaking in creating SAGE that must have been, and then the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging as the training and technical assistant arm of SAGE. Uh, was the center created with the idea of it being truly a national center to focus on improving the quality of services and to support older LGBT adults, or was it uh, its initial scope a little smaller? Um, the initial scope was, was very much a national effort. Uh, SAGE for a long time has recognized that there needed to be some sort of a resources clearinghouse um, available to people across the country. And uh, the impetus, though, to create the center actually came from uh, a grant from the federal government uh, that, uh, that was a, uh, a request for proposals to create a center, uh, which SAGE applied for and was the recipient of. So at its, at its very beginning core, it was a national effort. That grant that you applied for from the Department of Health and Human Services, I mean, that, that seems like a large grant to apply for, I guess. Did you guys really think that you were going to be able to get that huge grant? Well, when we, uh, when we applied for the grant back in uh, 2009, early 2010, uh, SAGE was really uh, in a position where we had created a true national network. Uh, and uh, as the largest and oldest advocacy organization providing these services, we felt uh, strongly that we had a, a very good chance at, at receiving this grant. Mm-hmm. 
When the center was started, there were a lot of groups with expertise in a wide range of areas that were part of the formation of the center. Uh, what were some of those organizations and what did they bring to the table? Well, we, we thought of our partner groups in, uh, in a few different categories. Uh, some were national uh, aging organization partners, so they really brought a, uh, a portal to the mainstream aging organizations across the country. Uh, so groups like the American Society on Aging, uh, the uh, National Institute of Senior Centers, groups like that, um, that would provide us access to mainstream providers. Uh, we also had... Uh, a group that was dedicated to uh, training and developing our training program, and those were groups uh, across the country who were already working on LGBT aging competency work in their regions, um, and they came together to bring their uh, materials and expertise in that way, and those were groups like uh, the LGBT Aging Project, uh, Open House, uh, the Transgender Aging Network, and uh, Grio Circle. And then we had groups who had very specific skills expertise. Uh, so we have an evaluation partner. Um, we have a curriculum writing partner, a group called PHI. Uh, and then we needed a, a group that would um, allow us access to the LGBT network uh, because one of our uh, goals is to reach the LGBT network on aging competency, and, and so uh, we teamed up with a group called Centerlink, who is the umbrella uh, organization to all the LGBT centers across the country. Now, has, has the mission of SAGE evolved at all over the years from what it was back when it first started to what it is now? And if so, how has it changed? Well, the mission of SAGE uh, to improve the lives of LGBT older adults has really remained the same. Um, throughout the, the history of our organization. Um, what, what really has changed is the scale of the services um, and the reach of our work. Uh, SAGE started very much as a local organization providing direct services and support to LGBT older people in New York City and advocating in New York City and across New York State for policies uh, to, to better address the needs of LGBT older adults. Um, but we've since been able to expand to where uh, we now have a national network of affiliates. Uh, so we have SAGE affiliates in 16 different states and, and uh, in, in D.C. who provide local uh, community support. Uh, we also have a, uh, an office in, in D.C. Um, trying to uh, have a, a presence on Capitol Hill, advocating for federal policies um, that, that would affect LGBT older adults. And, and, of course, through the National Resource Center, we're able to, uh, to reach even, even broader uh, organizations who may not otherwise be even thinking about LGBT mm -hmm. older adults. Yeah. Is there anything that SAGE, or for that matter, the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging, now know about aging LGBT adults that it didn't know when it first started? Well, that's that's a hard one. Uh, we've we've certainly always known about the unique challenges that face LGBT older adults, um, and how, in spite of these challenges, uh, folks are quite resilient. Um, but what our sage founding partners may not have fully realized is actually the rapid growth of the country's aging population, uh, meaning that the 
the number of LGBT older adults has really grown significantly uh, and continues to grow. And in fact, there's a projection that by the year 2030, there will be double the amount of LGBT older adults in this country, um, somewhere between three and four million people at a conservative estimate. Uh, so the, the need to make uh, changes to address the, uh, this community is, is very urgent, uh, and that might be uh, something that at the, at the beginning, back in the late 70s, that, that, that the original founding group uh, may not have, have necessarily been projecting. Okay, this morning we're talking to Hillary Meyer. She is the director of the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging, and we'll continue our conversation with Hillary here on Rainbow Radio, so please stay tuned. This week's show is brought to you by listeners like you. Rainbow Radio wants to thank all of you for your continuing support. Get a bunch of your friends together and sponsor a show. It's only 200 bucks. However, any amount you can send will be greatly appreciated. If you've never donated or sponsored a show, now is the time to join all of those listeners like you who have already done so. Here's what you have to do. Send your donations or sponsorships made out to Rainbow Radio to Post Office Box 12648, Columbia, South Carolina, 29211. If you've already sponsored or donated, your continued support will also be appreciated. If you like our show, support Rainbow Radio, not only by listening to it, but also by donating or sponsoring to help keep this show on the air. The Human Rights Campaign thought enough of this show to award Rainbow Radio their 2007 Equality Award. Remember, all of our shows are on our website, rainbowradiosc.com. Tell all of your friends not only to listen to our shows, but to join listeners like you. Tell them to sponsor or donate to keep this show on the air, especially if you've never done so before. Thanks again from all of us here at Rainbow Radio for the support of listeners like you. Welcome back to Rainbow Radio. This morning we're talking to Hillary Meyer. She is the director of the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging. And before the break, we talked about uh, things that now SAGE and the center have known or got to know about older adults. Uh, why do LGBT older adults turn to SAGE and the National Center? Um, approximately how many of them are turning to your organization these days? And how has that number grown over the years? Well, LGBT older adults turn to SAGE for uh, LGBT affirming supports and services um, because there is uh, a great deal of concern and fear that uh, mainstream aging organizations like support groups or health and wellness programs uh, may not be, uh, well, maybe a place of, of stigma and discrimination. And, um, and so there's Older adults have, have grown up uh, and, and come, come of age at a time when there's a, a large amount of discrimination against LGBT people. And so as older adults, they're really wanting to find LGBT-affirming services um, that will be helpful uh, in their uh, growing old successfully um, and safely. Um, but there's also a social aspect to SAGE. Uh, folks can find a community where they can be themselves, um, they, they, you know, there's, there's uh, combating social isolation, um, and uh, that it, can be, it can be a challenge for older adults who are not necessarily comfortable going to places where, uh, where heterosexual or non-transgender folks are socializing and, 
and are don't don't necessarily appear open to uh, to being supportive of LGBT older folks. So um, there's a number of good reasons that people turn to, to Sage and Sage's programs here in New York and across the country. Um, in in New York City, we were uh, the uh, we were the first group to open an LGBT uh, senior center, uh, the first in the country, and it's called the Sage Center. It sits right here in Manhattan, um, and of course, our uh, affiliates across the country are, are serving thousands of LGBT older adults every month um, through their local programming um, and their expansion of services. Uh, so. The, the numbers are strong. Um, they continue to grow. Uh, the, having an online resource center such as the National Resource Center site is very helpful because folks can access resources uh, around the clock every day of the week. And um, we see that, those, that thousands of people from across the country and across the world actually are visiting our site uh, on a daily basis. So, um, so certainly there's, there's the need and, and folks are accessing the information. What does uh, the future look like for the National Resource Center on LGBT aging? Well, we are hopeful that we will continue to be able to sustain the work. It's clear that the need is there. Um, the services are being utilized. Uh, our, we have a very strong training support program that uh, folks are, are accessing and using, um, and we are committed and, and, uh, and, are, and are looking for different ways mm-hmm. to sustain the Resource Center financially. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the training curricula. Could you tell us a little bit about that general training curricula and some of the topics that are covered in it? Sure. We we have a very robust training program uh, offered to both mainstream aging organizations as well as LGBT organizations. Uh, and topics that are covered are things such as the culture, needs, and concerns of LGBT older adults, uh, we talk about why LGBT older adults are less likely to access health and human services. And we certainly get into the best practices and policies for increasing inclusiveness and safety for LGBT older adults. Uh, so so it, it, um, it's, it's quite a comprehensive program. How can uh, any agency get in on this training? And does it, what, what's the cost? Well, the cost is it's free of charge right now. Uh, there may be some costs associated with uh, travel of a trainer if, if a trainer needs to, uh, to travel a distance to get there, um, but the training itself does not come with a cost. Uh, and agencies can request trainings just by going onto our website. Uh, the website is lgbtagingcenter.org. Uh, so if you go to the website and, and find the link for training, there's an online form that uh, is easy to use, and folks just fill it out, and it comes to us, and we coordinate it from there. What have been some of the significant milestones that SAGE and the National Resource Center on LGBT uh, aging has reached over the years? Well, as I mentioned, we, um, we were the first friendly visiting program um, across the country, uh, we are the, uh, the only technical assistance resource center on LGBT aging in existence. Um, we opened the country's first full-time LGBT senior center um, and a number of, uh, of on-the-ground programs that are continuing to uh, be innovative and cutting edge are popping up across the country. Um, there are LGBT meal sites that are, uh, that are in existence and, and uh, are, are 
facilitated by a number of different organizations, but the idea of bringing LGBT folks together in congregate meal settings is, uh, is something that's especially exciting. Um, we have a Sage Works program, which is a, a back-to-work program for folks who are uh, maybe in, uh, want, are, are looking for work, are, are underemployed, or are uh, looking to have some part-time work in their retirement. Um, linking linking folks up with uh, with employers who are interested in in uh, having LGBT people work for them. So those are some of the the examples of some of the the work that we're doing and the milestones that we've reached. Now you've mentioned your website um, recently. You mentioned it as a place for agencies to request trainings. What are some of the other things that people can find on the website? And what's the reach? And where can people find it? The the website is. Uh, it can be translated into a number of different languages um, via some, some really handy uh, uh, Internet tools. So the reach is actually quite broad. Uh, and as I said, there are folks across the country and across the world who are accessing our site. Um, what they find there are uh, basically anything and everything related to LGBT aging. Um, our goal is to bring together information that already exists and put it in one place to make it accessible for folks. Um, so things like legal and financial planning, for example, or Medicaid and the LGBT community, or uh, health and wellness programs. Um, so we, we, we try to find the information that exists, um, try to find services that would be helpful to LGBT older adults, um, and put it up on the website and hope that, that people uh, print out the articles, um, read through them. There's some some video clips for those who aren't interested in reading. Uh, you can watch and listen, and a um, lot of different ways that we're trying to make information available for folks. Now, is Sage and the Center still government funded, or can anyone contribute to donate to help Sage and the Center fulfill their mission for uh, the older LGBT adults? Well, we do receive some government funding uh, for the Resource Center. That funding is set to expire in February of 2013. Uh, that is the end of our grant period. Uh, and, uh, but SAGE is, is largely operated on, uh, on private donations. So folks from, uh, who would like to contribute um, can and should, and we encourage folks to contribute to our work, either the National Resource Center or our direct services programs. Uh, and any of that information can be found on uh, sageusa.org. Is there any uh, particular message that you'd like to leave our listeners with this morning, especially those older members of our audience? Well, we'd, we'd love to have interaction with folks. And so if there is information that you want in your communities uh, that we uh, can get to you, we want to hear from you. Um, we want to be able to provide that. Uh, so the, the idea is that we're here to serve uh, older adults, and, and we want to be able to do that in the best way that we can. So please be in touch. All right. This morning we have been talking about SAGE and the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging, Services Advocacy for GLBT uh, Elders. And our guest this morning has been Hillary Meyer, the director of the National Resource Center on LGBT Aging. Thanks, Hillary. It's been very educational, and we wish you, Sage, and the Center all of our best. Thanks very much for having me.
Thanks for joining us this morning on Rainbow Radio, the real gay agenda. And thanks goes to listeners like you, those of you out there who've been helping to keep this show on the air with your generous donations and shows of support for bringing you today's show. And I'd also like to thank my co-host this morning, who's also been our engineer, Adrian Zongrone. Thanks, Adrian. Rainbow Radio would love to hear from you. Please contact us with any show ideas, to share a commentary, suggest a guest, or just let us know what you think about our program. You can do all of that by either sending us an email to scrainbowradio at gmail.com or write to us at 1108 Woodrow Street, Columbia, South Carolina, 29205. You can also call and leave a message for us at the Harriet Hancock Community Center. The number is 803-771-7713. You can listen to some of our most recent shows at the website soundcloud.com slash rainbow dash radio and if you or any of your friends want to sponsor a show we can tell you how to go about doing that again the email address is scrainbowradio at gmail.com also be sure to like us on facebook at facebook.com slash rainbow radio there you can read current news stream new episodes and you'll be the first to know about all the latest show updates or follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash Rainbow Radio SC. This show will continue as long as we have your support. I know it's hard to believe, but this week's show finishes up eight years of Rainbow Radio being on the air here in South Carolina. I want to thank everyone who's even had a small hand in the past eight years. It couldn't have happened without you. So continue listening, because in the coming weeks, we'll be telling you some big news about our show, its future, its format, and its sound. So listen next week when we'll have another great show. And in the meantime, have a terrific and a safe week.